we have started, or we're actually nearly two-thirds of the way through, uh, a series about um, influence in the family. And just as a reminder and as a, as a foreshadowing, um, we, have, we have had um, uh, messages around the influencing our, um, our marriage and influencing our children. Um, Lorraine and I were not able to be here uh, for those two messages, but thanks, guys, we were able to, to watch it online. And I've just got to say to Troy and Edwina, well done. That was just, yeah, just amazing and fantastic, um, the, the thoughts that you, the two of you have been able to bring around those subjects. And, and it's kind of, I'm thinking, you know, how do we follow that up? Um, uh, so next week, Diane. Oh, she's got this. And Trevor as well. Okay, well, influencing the in-laws. I, I understood that it was influencing the outlaws, uh, but, you know, um, influencing the in-laws and other relatives. Di, I reckon you've got an easy task here. Your, your in-law, your mother-in-law is just delightful. Um, so I think you've got an easy job with that one. Uh, I don't know your parents, so I'm not sure what kind of job Trevor's got with that. But we'll find out next week, I guess. Uh, and so today, we're talking about influencing our parents. And, and Troy sort of emphasised that he would like us to, to reflect in particular on influencing our parents as, as they get a bit older in life. Um, I kind of suspect that Troy took one look at the colour of my hair and the wrinkles on my brow and decided that, that we would be a good couple to sort of deal with ageing parents because we probably had them. Um, to, to be honest, my parents are both, uh, have both passed on now, both with the Lord. Uh, my mum passed away when she was around 80 years of age and dad just uh, two and a half years ago when he was nearly 93 so, yes, I have been on the journey with uh, ageing parents. Lorraine, maybe you can fill us in a bit about your um, experience with your parents. Oh, OK. Well, um, sadly, my dad passed away very young. I was only 16. He was only 45. Died very suddenly. Um, but my mum is 96, still going well, in an aged care facility where she is very happy and content. Um, but I also worked in uh, aged care for Churches of Christ uh, for about 20 years and had a lot of involvement with staff dealing with residents and residents dealing with, this, with staff and with families and, uh, and with the challenges uh, that they were facing. So Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to we that in a minute. And I just also put out there that I worked for 11 years um, as an aged care chaplain. So we've actually both had a bit of experience in dealing with uh, older people and, and particularly listening to stories of older people and their struggles with their, their children, their grandchildren. So hopefully we can bring a little bit of, of our experience uh, to this this morning. I do want to say at the outset... Um, that, that we are not uh, putting ourselves forward as experts this morning. 
we don't have it all together, we don't have all the answers. So if you're looking for all the answers, you've got to look somewhere else. But we do just want to reflect a little bit on our experience um, and, uh, and maybe share a few things that might be helpful uh, when it comes to influencing our parents. First of all, though, I want to start with a story, a, a story from the Brothers Grimm. Okay, there was once a very old man whose eyes had become dim, his ears dull of hearing, his knees trembled, and when he sat at table, he could hardly hold the spoon and spilt the broth upon the tablecloth or let it run down out of his mouth. His son and his son's wife were disgusted at this. So the old grandfather at last had to sit in the corner behind the stove and they gave him his food in an earthenware bowl and not even enough of it. And he used to look towards the table with his eyes full of tears. Once, too, his trembling hands could not hold the ball and it fell to the ground and broke. The young wife scolded him, but he said nothing and only sighed. Then they bought him a wooden bowl for a few halfpence. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me out of which he had to eat. They were once sitting thus when the little grandson of four years old began to gather together some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing? asked the father. I am making a little trough, answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I am big. <laughs> the man and his wife looked at each other for a while and presently began to cry. Then they took the old grandfather to the table and henceforth always let him eat with them and likewise said nothing if he did a spill a little of anything. And, and you don't go away. An application, I think, uh, of the golden rule as taught by Jesus in Matthew seven twelve: Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I, I want to say that um, underpinning everything about our relationship with our parents, and particularly our ageing parents, uh, ought to be this principle. How would I like my children to treat me when I get older? then I need to use that as a guide for the way that I treat my ageing parents. How would I like my children to treat me when I'm older? I'm not saying how do I think my children will treat me when I'm older, but how would I like them to treat me? And then use that as a guide for the way in which I engage with my parents. Important principle that, that I think undergirds all of our relationship, probably all of our relationships, period, but all our relationships with our parents and, and especially in this context, our ageing parents. Now, we, we had a conversation the other day over a cup of coffee and uh, we were just reflecting on our experience in aged care and, and talking about 
some of those things that we particularly saw older people struggling with. Um, and, and you actually were, were very, very definite about one of those. Do you want to run that by us? Well, well two actually two come actually. to mind. Now, maybe I've had a little bit more time to think about it. Um, but, but one I was very aware of, particularly working in the industry, uh, was uh, a sense of abandonment uh, where they felt perhaps they had been dumped, the decision had been made for them, and that leads into the up. second biggest oh, issue, wow. I think, was um, their, their loss, their sense of their loss of control of their life when others start making decisions for them or when they are told, well, you can't do that anymore, whether it be folding the clothes or you know, whatever they may like doing, gardening, um, they are constantly being told, but you're too old now, you can't do that, so don't do that. And we, they, they we might come back things. and unpack yeah. that a little bit in a little while, but uh, one of the things that, um, that has struck me about working in aged care was, was um, older people dealing with grief and loss mm. on a regular basis. Um, now... And perhaps because it's so fresh in our minds this morning, uh, perhaps dealing with the loss of a life partner, uh, and that is a big impact. Uh, but it's not just that. Dealing older people are constantly losing friends, their own peers. And I have to say, I'm not sure if we're old, but over the last four or five years, we have seen people who are our peers, who, are our, who have been our friends in life, a number of them have passed away. Mm. Uh, and that just increases the, the older yet. We're actually having a chat in our Bible study group the other morning about that very thing, weren't we? Um, about seeing friends um, passing away. And it's not just, it's not just around death. Um, grief around the loss of a job. Yes. Well, that's a big one, particularly if your sense of self-worth and purpose in life is kind of tied up with your, your job. You lose that, wow, that's, that's a big impact on someone's life. Um, the loss of a driver's licence, the loss of a home. The loss of a home. Yeah. I mean, thankfully my dad was still in his own home, technically, when he passed away. He was actually in hospital, but he had been in his own home. Um, he'd been living in that home out of his 93 years for 82 years, right? 82 years. Can you imagine the impact on his life if he had to give that up? And I've seen people in, in homes who have lived in their homes for 50, 60 years and the sense of loss and grief around that. So that, that's a big issue. What, what are maybe some of the other things that older people are, are dealing with? Um, they feel um, undervalued. Yeah. They've lost their sense of purpose or their, uh, a sense of being able to do anything to contribute yeah. uh, to others. Yeah, the meaning of their life. You yeah. know? Have, I been, have I been valued even? Am I valued now? Um, those sorts of things. Yes. And also um, the fear that comes as you get into the 
the later stages of life. Uh, my mum is 96. And uh, she considers herself, she's in God's waiting room. And um, that can be a challenge for many, particularly if they're not sure what's on the other side of the, of the door. Yeah. And, and there's also stuff around an end-of-life resolution. Mm. You know, <laughs> where am I going <laughs> when my time comes? Um, what are my regrets in life? Um, are there people with whom I need to mend some broken fences or bridges uh, because of, you know, around forgiveness and un- you know, those sorts of things in life? So there, there are a number of, of things that older people have to deal with and they actually may help explain some of the rather forceful and mysterious responses and outbursts that you may experience from your, your ageing parents um, as, as they get to that point. So what we'd like to do is just to unpack a few thoughts about that and, and perhaps, Lorraine, you might be able to sit down now and uh, I'll get you back up in a little while. Uh, just to, to be able to unpack some thoughts around how we, we bring influence into that kind of situation. And when I'm talking about influence, I'm not just talking about maybe influencing their decision-making, as much as we might like to do that, um, but bringing influence into their lives, influence into the relationship, influence into their emotional well-being, their, their physical well-being, their relational well-being. So how do we bring... And what, what factors are around being in a, in a good place to bring influence into that um, space? The first thing I want to uh, emphasise is relationship. Um, now, you mentioned this last week, Edwina, when you were talking about influencing our children, the importance of being in relationship, right? You've got no chance of influencing someone if you are not in relationship with them. Now, you might think, well, OK, obviously I'm in relationship with my parents, but I've got to tell you, having worked in, in aged care, it's not that simple um, I, I was actually visiting one man. I was working for a time in a home care program as a chaplain and I visited this guy regularly. He was in his, his 80s. His name was Frank. He was in his 80s and he had not seen or spoken to either of his two sons for 55 years. I kid you not. 55 years. Now, I know... That's an extreme uh, example. And and look, he was in constant pain. He was dying from cancer. But the one one burning desire of his life was to see his boys before he died. Now, it wasn't his choice in the first place, I've got to say. But he really really grieved the the loss of relationship uh, over 55 years with, with his boys. That, as I said, it's an extreme example, but I would love a dollar for every time somebody has said to me, my children never come to see me or rarely see me. So somehow we need to be able to engage in relationship with our family. There's an interesting verse in the Proverbs 
uh, it says, whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Now, you can sit there and say, hey, I've not stolen any money from my father, at least not since I was a, was a teenager anyway. Um, and, and I haven't kicked my mother out of home, but, but maybe we can think of it more broadly than that. Um, are we in a position where sometimes we might rob our parents of our time, of relationship, or expel them from our thoughts and our, our um, rhythms of life? Perhaps we're not even conscious of doing it, but it, but it can happen. Um, Jesus provides an interesting example of um, being in a space to influence people. I'm pretty sure he came here to influence us. Um, so John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? That, that starts off telling us about the nature of Jesus. Right? The Word is Jesus. It tells us about the nature of Jesus. He was and he is God. Then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh... And dwelt among us, or pitched his tent among us, because that word actually describes the tabernacle or tent in which God lived among his people in Old Testament times. Have I got that right, Edwina? Thank you. <laughs> From the Old Testament uh, lecturer. Uh, yeah, he pitched his tent among us. He came to spend some time with us, and in the context, of that time and that relationship to bring influence into our lives. And I guess the thing that, that we all have to work out is what does it mean, metaphorically speaking, for me to pitch my tent in my parents' backyard? What is the opportunity that I have to, to, be, to, to be in relationship with and to spend time with my parents, my ageing parents. Um, look, it's a complex issue and I've, I've been on that journey. Like because when we have our own work commitments and when we have our own family commitments and when we, we're pressed for time and we've got our own issues going on around us, it is very easy to push our parents further back because there are immediate things that need doing. I, I understand that. I've done it. When I retired, I was able to up the ante a bit with my dad and actually make a, a choice to visit him. In fact, to spend half a day with him on a weekly basis just to talk around life, life's issues and things like that. Now, so what does it mean? Well, you've got to work it out for yourself, right? I can't work it out for you. You've got to work it out for yourself. What does it mean for me to be able to be in relationship with my parents? Even my geographically distanced, distant, distanced parents. Right? Because in this day and age, with smartphones and with FaceTime and with Zoom and with, with high-speed dual-carriage motorways... Actually, spending time with geographically distanced parents isn't all that difficult. 
but to be in relationship with them. Basically, if, if we spend little time with our parents, we can't expect to be able to breeze in one day and suddenly start to influence their lives. We need to be in relationship with them in order to do that. The second thing I want to talk about is engagement. Now, maybe that's just part of relationship. And I think you probably put them together last week, Edwina. But, uh, okay, who can I put on the spot? Diane. (laughs) What does our vision statement say? Oh, goodness sake. (laughs) 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 To see Western Sydney engaged and transformed by the faith, love and hope of Jesus. Yeah. Engaged and transformed. Maybe we can read engaged and influenced because that's what it's about. But it's a recognition in our vision statement that influence happens in the context of engagement. So in other words, it's not just enough to spend you know, a few minutes, even a few minutes a week with somebody. We need to engage with them because believe me, our parents, our ageing parents, see through that. Yeah, if we only go and see them when we want something, they'll see that. Uh, in fact, my dad, uh, I, had, I hope my siblings aren't watching this. <laughs> uh, a couple of times in conversation with my dad, I, I asked him if he'd seen any of my other siblings. And... and on one occasion, his response was, no, no, the only time they come and see me is when they, they come to collect their Christmas money. Um, that's probably hyperbole on his part because I know that one of my sisters visited him regularly, uh, but the ache was there. He wanted to be able to spend time engaging with his family, not just because they wanted something from him. You made a comment the other day too about spending time. Why, why do you want to spend time with our kids? Oh, because I want to catch up on all their news. Yeah, you want to know what's going on in their lives. Well, our, our parents want to know what's going on in our lives, right? Not just to, to give us something or, or, or have us fulfil our duty. It's about engagement. So a couple of verses from the Scriptures. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Right? Being in, in a, a honouring relationship with our parents is actually part of the key to having a, a, a healthy family and in turn a healthy community. Um, listen to your father who gave you a life and do not despise your mother when she is old. It's in the Bible, folks. It's in the Bible. Honouring our parents is not just something that happens when we are living under their roof. It's for the entirety of life. Now, okay, when we are young, when we are under their roof, or at least for part of the time when we are under their roof, the obedience part of that might be high on the agenda. But interestingly... And just bear in mind that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. The Greek word for obey 
comes from exactly the same root word as the word to listen or to hear. Obedience is simply an extension of being willing to listen, to listen to and to hear what someone is saying. Now certainly when we are young, the obedience part may be a high priority. Although even when we get a bit older, we can still, re- we can still choose to respond to the requests, the demands of our parents. It's a choice. And as Troy said a couple of weeks ago, we live under this principle that Jesus taught of servanthood, don't we? It's not about me. It's about the other person. But, but as the years go by, perhaps the, the, the obedience part diminishes, but the need to listen does not diminish. The need to hear them does not diminish. I suspect that a lot of the outbursts of our parents, and particularly our elderly parents, are, are actually a cry to be heard. Nobody's listening to me. I need someone to listen to me. To hear me. So I guess what we're saying is that we encourage you to listen. To listen to their life story. In fact, better to ask them about their life story. That actually communicates that we value their story in life. But in the process, we also learn a lot about, well, about them, but about but our own story and the background to our own story. Listen to their fears, to their frustrations. Even if you've heard them dozens of times before, listen. Listen to the cry of their heart because they need somebody to hear them. And if we take time to engage with them in these sorts of ways, well, listen to their spiritual story too, by the way, even if it's on a completely different page to what we're on. Listen to them. And certainly, uh, and I I can tell you that older parents are often wrestling with end-of-life issues. Uh, In the last 12 months of my dad's life, Um, most of our conversations were around end-of-life stuff. Uh, Thankfully, my my dad was a follower of Jesus, and so we could talk about things like faith and hope. But there are also issues of of regrets in life that he needed to talk about, Um, perhaps some resentments that he held on to that he needed to deal with. Um, There are opportunities, if we engage with our parents, there are opportunities to be able to sow into their lives in that way. If, If we're prepared to engage in those kinds of ways, our parents will know that we're not just there out of duty or because we want something, but we're there because we value them. And we're in a much better place to bring influence into their lives. Okay, the third thing that that we want to talk about is empowerment. And I need you to pop back up, my darling. Because I just want to unpack that thought that you you brought to us before about um, older people and their loss of control. 
or their feeling about having lost control. So I just want to run that bias again. Um, yeah. When, um, when people are stopping them from doing things and, and being who they see they are um, because of the fear of their frailty and injuries, the intent is very positive but the outcome can be um, very difficult. So tell us, tell us about how you, your mum might negotiate that and how you negotiate that with her. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned the cleaning of the room thing oh, the yes. other day. Yes, as I said, my mum's um, in an aged care facility. Um, she has a very comfortable room. Um, and, of course, the staff are wonderful there. And they clean her room weekly. But every Saturday morning, it's mum's routine, she will get her little dusting cloth and she will go through and she will dust and then she will go through and she will wipe over her bathroom because nobody does it like her and it gives her a sense of control. As, as, as tiny as that seems, that's important to mum and she holds on to that dearly. And washing? Oh, yes, yeah, she won't let them do her washing because they're probably going to lose all her stuff. Um, she's never... That's never been an experience, to my knowledge. Um, but she does insist on doing her own washing, and when she decides that she can't do it anymore, then I get the joy of doing her washing for her. <laughs> yes. yeah. So, again, it's something that she holds on to, that she can do, that she refuses to let go of. So, so you're, not, you're not saying to your mum, look... Just let somebody else do that for you. You just sit down and, and relax. You're, you're basically saying, if you want to do it and you think you can, do it. Yes, my biggest challenge at the moment is encouraging mum to still come out occasionally for a, for a hot chocolate with me. Less and less is she willing to come out. Um, but I don't, I don't stop asking, but I don't, I don't push either because... She knows her So, So her what's capacities. in your phone conversations with her around that? How do you put that to her? Mum, would you like to go out for a hot chocolate in the morning? It's going to be a fine day. It's not going to rain. And we don't have to walk very far. No, I think I'd rather you just bring me in a hot chocolate. So that's, that's generally our conversation. So you're actually empowering her to make some of those decisions for herself. I mean, she has said to you, I don't want to worry about that thing anymore. You do it. She said that about some things. Yes. But there are other things where she's saying, I still want to feel useful. Mm. Well, I, my dad, like, he was 92 and still mowing his own lawns, right? <laughs> he, he, he didn't want to relinquish that. <laughs> Actually, he finally did. Round at the age of 92, he let his neighbour mow his front lawn, but he still had to do the back lawn. Um, <laughs> while I can still do things, I am going to do them. So I guess we're saying don't take control out of your parents' hands. Allow them. Empower them. The, the other thing is around decision-making. And, and having both been in aged care, and this is not just, by the way, it's not just about a decision to go into aged care, but that's a big one when our parents get older, um, 
you've seen what happens when when families make the decision for residents. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? Well, certainly, if it's a, a matter of entering into a, an aged care facility, those residents who have had that decision taken away from them uh, really do struggle more so um, with the sense of I've been abandoned, I've been dumped, uh, regardless of their relationship with their children often, yeah. um, but it's the sense was I don't want to be here, this was not my choice. Uh, as compared to the decision as my mum did, she made her own decision to go into a facility and from day one she embraced it um, and she settled in very quickly and has been very happy. Okay, so tell us about maybe the conversations that you had with your mum in the, the two, three years prior to her making that decision um, around the issue of going into care. Well, it was something that we, we did talk about occasionally. She lived for 30 years in um, one of the independent living units in the village and she was familiar with the facilities on site and she had some friends who had moved from the village into uh, one of the, uh, the facilities on site. And uh, that helped her to have a better understanding from her perspective of, of what was ahead and, and what was on offer. Um, but we would occasionally talk about how mum was going and um, whether she felt the need and it actually surprised me when one day she just said to me, I think I'm ready. I'm tired of cooking for myself every day. Um, and uh, a few, and, and you know, looking after herself and being alone. She wanted to relinquish that and she decided the time was come, she was gonna let somebody else do the cooking for her. So, so what I'm hearing is that you didn't say to your mum, look, it's time, mum, you need to go no. into care. No. Um, you let her make that, that decision, even though perhaps her timetable may not have been a timetable that you may have chosen for her, um, you actually allowed her. Mm. Uh, and, and perhaps what we're saying in this, you need to start having those sorts of conversations with your parents before you need to start having the conversations with your parents. Mm. So just put them on the table at some point. I mean, I had conversations with my dad maybe 10 years before he, uh, he, he thought he perhaps needed to be um, anywhere but in his own home. But, uh, and again, in the context of relationship and engagement, you can have those conversations. But you can't have them if you don't have relationship. You can't just walk into the house one day and say, Dad... Time for you to sell up and go into care. You'll be. Have you seen the, the movie um, um, Gran Torino? Uh, okay, it's, it's got Clint Eastwood and a very old Clint Eastwood in it, but he has this horrid relationship with his son. And the son's, but two sons, one son, he just doesn't want to visit, but he visits and he brings in a brochure about retirement living. Um, and then when he's back out in the car, he wonders why his father got upset with him. So, yeah, empowerment. This is what it's about, empowerment. We don't set the agenda. Our parents do. 
even, and I'm not talking now about parents who may be experiencing dementia or Alzheimer's, those, those kinds of illnesses. Talking about uh, parents who are still mentally alert, uh, they make the decisions and we do what we can to, to facilitate uh, that. That's called <coughs> empowerment. Right? The other thing that we want to talk about is, is influencing um, your parents spiritually. So I actually, I actually grew up in a Christian home. Uh, so uh, my, both my parents were Christians. A lot of the early influence came from them to me. Although, I, as I said in my story earlier in the year, I still had to get to that point of making a choice for myself. Um, although, and over the years, um, as, as adults, and particularly with my ageing father, uh, we were able to have deeper and deeper spiritual conversations. Um, in fact, my dad, after mum had died, um, probably about three or four months later, dad said to me one day, you know, I've been thinking that, that I would like to do something more for the Lord. So we had a conversation around what that might look like. And um, it ended up with Dad coming to the retirement home once a week with his piano accordion and playing some music while we had a church service. Um, so I was able to encourage him in that space. But Lorraine, you didn't grow up in a Christian home. You became a Christian as a teenager. Um, your mum has since become a Christian. I'd like to hear a little bit about that, that story. Okay, well, if, if you can bear with me, I just need to set the scene for you. As Jeff said, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I became a Christian at the age of 14 from the influence and encouragement of my girlfriend at school. Um, and I started attending Church of Christ at, uh, at Auburn. Uh, a couple of years Later, my dad passed away and it was my church pastor who conducted his funeral and my church family who was very supportive of me. Mum occasionally would come along to a church service with me, generally Christmas and Easter, and if there was something happening with Girls' Brigade, of which I was a member. Um, but it was after Jeff and I were married... And we made a point of having a, a weekly meal with mum. It was often on a Sunday after church. We would pop over to mum and have lunch. And quite often we would invite mum to come to night church with us. Um, and um, most of the time, you know, she declined. Um, but we kept asking. Uh, and, of course, I was praying for my mum, although I must admit that my mum was very... I saw my mum in those days very set in her ways and I never expected that she would make a decision for the Lord. But following lunch one Sunday, um, we were off heading to church and we asked mum if she'd like to come and she surprised us by saying yes. And she came along and she came along the next week and within two weeks, mum made a decision for Christ and was baptised. Now, just a few weeks ago, when we knew this, um, this series was coming up, I asked mum, and as I said, she's 96 years old now, so her memory, you know, isn't as sharp as it used to be. But I just, I just 
thought it would be interesting to ask her if she felt that I had had any sort of influence on her life. And she immediately responded, well, there was a time I wanted what I saw you had. She said, I was very envious of you and the life you had. And she was referring, of course, to my faith and to the love and support of my church family that became Jeff's church family and subsequently became my mum's church family. I do have to confess that back when I was a teenager and just married, I wasn't aware that I was influencing my mum. It wasn't a conscious decision that I can remember making. And I wonder if I had consciously been endeavouring to influence my mum for good, perhaps she may have found the Lord a bit sooner. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, thanks, honey. Um, so, so praying, big one. I was actually reading a couple of verses in John this morning where um, basically testimony about Jesus is a cooperative work of the Holy Spirit in us. So when we are praying, we are giving the Holy Spirit opportunity to influence our parents spiritually. But the, the life thing, that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, and Troy read these verses from, um, from Peter uh, a couple of weeks ago around marriage, but wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. Well, children of parents, don't worry about the submission, submission, submission thing at the moment, but it is the lives that we live as followers of Jesus that can have a great influence, even if we're not aware of it, that can have a great influence um, on, on our parents in a spiritual sense. So um, talking to Harold during the week, you were asking me what I was preaching or what we're speaking about today. And, and, and I said about influencing parents and particularly elderly parents. And what did you say to me, Harold? Yeah, and you can stay home. But... Thankfully, you're here. Good, good oh, yeah. thing. You're no, here. I wasn't coming today. Watch online. Yeah. yeah. So, look, I don't know whether you have your parents are still with you or not. Um, what the situation is, um, but but there's more to to sort of this than just our own parents. Troy, no, yeah, at the end of last week, Troy talked about the, the fact that that we use family language around our Christian community, right, um, the community of the church, and how it's important for us to be able to engage with children in the context of, of uh, the Christian community. I think the same thing holds true of older people, right? And, and let me read this verse from Timothy. Uh, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So 
within the, the framework of the, the church, there is the opportunity for us to engage with older people, particularly those who may be distanced from their own family, whether geographically or simply because there is a divide between them and their children. Uh, people, who, people who are shut in, there is the opportunity for us to be able to engage with those people and, and to fill in a gap, really, in their lives. Um, and if that's something you might want to think about, then perhaps you could have a conversation with Troy or with the pastoral care team around that. Uh, because, yeah, there are opportunities. Maybe our conversation this morning around uh, parents and ageing parents has, has uh, raised a few issues for you about the, the kind of relationship that you have. Uh, perhaps some resentment that's there, some unforgiveness that's there. Either way, there may, there may be the need to, um, in some way, deal with before God and with your parents. Hey, we would love to be able to pray with you about that. Uh, or, or any issue, perhaps, that your, your parents may be facing. Uh, not just relational issues, but you know, health issues or, or issues around ageing, those sorts of things. We'd love to be able to pray with you about that. Um, so when we've finished the service today, just invite you to come and find somebody um, who will be able to sit with you and talk with you and pray with you about that. Um, if you're online watching and there's something that you would like prayer for, please reach out to us in some way. Uh, send a message through um, or if the, the phone number's online then you'll be able to make a phone call and have a chat to somebody. But yeah, we would love to pray with you about that and help you to find some sort of peace, some sort of resolution, um, some sort of re-engagement uh, with people uh, who are in your life. Mm -hmm.